0: Welcome to Purdue Crop Chat, a regular podcast from Hoosier Ag Today and the Purdue University Extension Service, featuring Purdue Extension Corn Specialist Dr. Bob Nielsen and Extension Soybean Specialist Dr. Sean Castile. On this episode number two, they discuss implications of COVID-19. On the corn side, I think
1: by and large, uh, seed supplies are adequate. Start the conversation
2: with your ag retailer, whether it's uh, a seed salesperson directly or it's a local co-op, to see where that seed is, that uh, delivery in particular.
0: Now with Purdue Crop Chat, here's your host, Your Ag Today's Gary Truitt. Welcome to another Purdue Crop Chat from Hoosier Ag Today and Purdue University Extension. And we're here to talk about the impact of COVID-19 on this industry of agriculture and this growing season of 2020, which suddenly has become very challenging and very interesting for reasons that we would never have dreamed of just a few weeks ago. Farmers have a lot of questions, farmers have a lot of concerns, and a lot of us don't have a lot of answers. A lot of us don't have information, but we're going to try to give you some of that information today, give you at least some things to think about and perhaps some recommendations to consider as you begin to try to put together a plan for putting this crop in the field uh, here in just the very near future as we round out the month of March and head into the month, month of April uh, Dr. Nielsen, let's start with you. Uh, you know, what's the primary concern for you right now? There are lots of them, and we've got a whole list of things to go through. But I guess, what's the biggest concern you have right now uh, for for growers in Indiana and the Midwest as it relates to getting this 2020 crop uh, in the field and, and off the ground?
1: I think uh, the biggest concern is really more of a of a frustration of of not having enough information and. You know, it's not just us in agriculture, but but us as a society. I think we're we're all struggling to try and figure out um, how this is going to play out in in our lives in general, but but also in terms of agriculture. Uh, since we're at the beginning of a season, we're just thinking about planting. We're thinking about being in the field. Um, so many unknowns out there, as you indicated earlier, that a, a lot of us are you know desperately trying to come up with answers for uh, our clientele around the state and so I think that's that's the biggest thing at this point is is sort of that fear of the unknown which you know that that's always the most fearful is when you don't know what's going on and I think that's our challenge is you know how do we regain control of, over the things that we can control and move forward with this planting season
0: certainly supplies seed supplies and and other imports a, a major issue now you know, we are pretty close to where we would like to be putting things in the field. So, uh, you know, are, do we have the seed out there or do we know? Uh, and and both Bob and Sean, you know, weigh in from the various corn and the soybean side of things. Do farmers have what they need at this point uh, to, to try to move forward here?
1: My sense of what I've heard from from uh, friends in the industry and, and what I've read, I think on the corn side, uh, and this is a broad paintbrush, but on the corn side, I think by and large uh, seed supplies are adequate. Um, I think it, what's not known, or at least what I don't know yet is is you know what percent of the seed has been delivered to the farm and And because of the uncertainty that that this is all uh, being fueled, I would certainly encourage farmers that if they have not already uh, had seed delivered, I would certainly try to take delivery of it as soon as I could, assuming you have storage availability. But I, I think not only seed, but you know, any fertilizer, any pesticides, the seed, whatever that you can take delivery of soon, assuming you got storage, I would go ahead and get that planned because we just don't know how this is going to play out in terms of possible interruptions in that uh, local supply chain, you know, because of Perhaps employee sickness or things like that. So, I, I think if, if if folks can get a lot of these inputs delivered and on hand, that's going to uh, smooth out. I think a lot of the possible hiccups uh, that that we could incur as we move forward into planting season. Because you know, once you have everything in hand, uh, you can pretty much move forward. And and I don't want to say business as usual, but you know, we can get fields worked or we can get fields planted as long as we have
0: all the supplies on hand. Yeah. Being in a tractor is good social distancing. you know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Sean, what's this, what do you hang on the soybean side?
2: I think we're in a similar situation that uh, seeds there. It's just a matter of making sure it does get delivered. One of the points that I, I really want to make with this is to start the conversation with your ag retailer, whether it's uh, a seed salesperson directly or it's a local co-op to, to see where that seed is, that uh, delivery in particular, uh, and to go ahead and get it moving. When I think about just what everyone's trying to do in just their daily life, you get groceries, right? That's an essential activity. Agriculture is an essential activity. And so it's not like our, our farmers and clientele are going to go out and hoard seed and hoard fertilizer like, you know, toilet paper or something. But, you know, in, in this case, it's the idea of let's go ahead and get the conversation going. Maybe you're used to having uh, delivery on demand, so to speak, or within a day. Uh, I agree with Bob. We need to go ahead and have it delivered so it's it's in your hands. Um, if if something does break out with a, an ag retailer um, or a delivery service, you know, that's certainly, I can't see how it's not going to provide some, some hiccups and, and delivery times and and having things right as handy as we, we normally think of it.
0: Yeah, because the, there's the issue of the ag retailers uh, and seed companies might not have the staff. They may have infected staff members or or uh, folks who they just don't have the folks at their shop to make some of those deliveries. So I know there are some that are saying, you come by and pick it up. So we may have to do things a, a little bit differently than we, we have uh, going forward. Is that going to impact guys' ability to, to get what they need to get started? Are we going to see guys skimping on fertilizer or, or anhydrous because they simply can't get the supply? Or, or maybe not, or delayed planting. Heaven forbid, delayed planting. To uh, because they don't have what they need.
1: Well, I think all of the above are certainly possible, uh, but that's obviously going to be a, a person-to-person situation. And um, and I, I dare say, I don't know if I really want to pay compliments to Mother Nature with this wet weather. But you know, to a certain degree, maybe it's good that the fields around the state are too wet to be in, and and we got a little bit of time. Um, but again, that, it's going to be you know farm to farm kind of situation as to whether they feel forced into doing things like that. And I wanted to go back, Gary, though, and just highlight. You know, Sean mentioned this this term essential activity or essential service, and just make sure that that folks understand that that indeed the food and ag sector uh, of this country is considered an essential service by the Department of Homeland Security, and that's why. In in situations like we're under, uh, as of tonight at midnight, where the the governor has uh, uh, issued this executive order that restricts travel to essential services, what we do in agriculture is considered essential services. That's why ag businesses uh, not only can remain open during this crisis – um, by almost federal authority, they should remain open because they are considered an essential service, and and therefore everybody that works for an essential service, you know, like a co-op or a retailer or a seed company, you know, they are they are perfectly uh, legit for doing travel over the next couple of weeks, as as the rest of us are under a bit of a of a lockdown for traveling. So. Yeah, I'm just not sure that, you know, maybe everybody understands those kind of fine distinctions. But, you know, the good news, if there is good news, is that uh, agriculture is an essential service. We can go about and do our business. Uh, I don't want to say as usual, but we can go about and do our business. So, again, I agree with Sean that uh, folks need to be uh, maintaining frequent communication with their service providers. Um, so that they maybe can avoid uh, the delays in delivery of some of these crucial inputs and so that when weather does begin to improve and fields do become fit, um, there won't be any delay in getting out and and beginning this year's uh, field work and planting.
2: I want to add a comment about fertility and and what operations uh, should or shouldn't happen. Uh, Go back again to what we had in 2018, 2019. We mentioned in our first podcast of what fields were maintained or just kind of skipped over on fertility this wet weather is an opportunity to okay if you haven't done this go back and look at what fields uh, fertility needs to be addressed has it been addressed in the last year or two Uh, and then if it has great that may be one where we have to prioritize yet again a third year in a row which fields do get uh, fertilized and which ones don't Or which ones are on the edge and we can come back in early season to to make some corrective action. I'm thinking about uh, phosphorus, potassium in particular, uh, especially a soybean. But um, corn, uh, I'm guessing, will have similar issues as well.
0: Bob, you had mentioned this in our, uh, sort of planning meeting ahead of this podcast, and that was the, the international transportation issue. Since we were talking about transportation, again, we get a lot of seed that comes out of the southern hemisphere, and a lot of that, that freight, a lot of that uh, air traffic has been interrupted because of this. Uh, is that causing a problem? Could it cause a problem? Or, or aren't you hearing that at uh, at this point? Are we late enough in this to, that we avoided some of that?
1: I'm not. Uh, The answer is I don't know, Uh, but it is true that um, both corn and soybeans, there's a lot of production over the winter, uh, especially in the southern hemisphere, in uh, Argentina and Chile and places like that, and it is true that for a lot of these seed companies will transport the seed back to the U.S. in the cargo areas of commercial flights. So as fewer and fewer commercial flights um, are occurring, the risk is certainly there that some seed may not get back in a timely fashion, but I have to say, I, I don't know the details. I, I haven't been uh, visiting with uh, seed companies about the specifics, certainly in recent you know weeks. Um, but there is that possibility. But here again, this is why, uh, at the farmer level, this is why it's so important to, to keep talking to your, your supplier and just... Uh, you now, just to get a heads up on, you know, is there going to be an issue that I can't get this particular variety that I wanted? Well, then what do I? What can I get? And what is available? But I'm I'm hoping that uh, it won't be a big issue. Um, you know, and, and uh, the seed industry also does maintain quite a bit of carryover seed from last year's production, so. I'm sure they can uh, go into those uh, warehouses and, and use some of that if necessary. But but again, the key word is communicating with your supplier so that you're not caught off guard at the last minute.
0: Sean, you touched on this a little bit, uh, the f- fertility issue. And for a lot of guys, that may be a custom uh, f- spray program or a custom fertility program. Uh, is there a concern or the possibility that, again, uh, if you normally get applications made, if you have your co-op uh, come and, and do certain things for you with sprayers and what and getting fields ready even at this point, that those services could be interrupted. And again, that could have an impact on uh, whether you're able to plant a field or when you're able to plant a field.
2: Yeah, I think that's always a concern. And, and today's conversation is we're talking about the what ifs. And, and the what if of this is going down to the ag retailer that has Delivery of said fertilizer, and then uh, the ability to get out to the field. I'm looking at the uh, last three weeks of accumulated precip across the Midwest, and we've got areas that are 75 to 100 percent more than they typically are at this time of the year. And yet we have other fields that are probably okay once the snow melts off. So again, it goes back to about field availability to get this fertilizer spread, and then with with COVID-19 itself, if something does happen at a potential retailer uh, is to to maintain the CDC kind of thing that, okay, self-quarantine. And then each retailer has the choice of how they, they handle it. As I read, as we're getting information literally minutes before we're given this uh, conversation, that uh, those ag retailers can stay open as long as they do the self-quarantining and people are off. So if something like that happens, and it happens to be one of your applicators that does the custom jobs then sure that could be a potential problem that's why i go back to do your homework now while it is wet look at what fields have been fertilized or what was your most recent soil sample or some of the yields and go ahead and make your priority list you may not get every field uh, fertilized this year and that's okay as long as you know which ones desperately need it and then which fields could you go in after the fact to do a top dressing on soybeans if potassium's a shortcoming and you're not able to get it spread, I would rather get the soybeans planted timely and come back when the beans are just emerging with a a, a potassium application than to go over the right over the top of those soybeans cuz we can have some damage from that.
1: Well, and from the corn perspective, of course, there's the whole nitrogen fertil- fertilization issue that and and so you know, as you visit with your retailers, and if it looks like, and let's say that you're usually a pre-plant nitrogen kind of operation, and so as you visit with your retailers or co-ops, and it, and it looks like there might be an issue getting nitrogen applied prior to planting, you know, just understand that a side-dress application, say early June, uh, when the corn is is about knee high, is a perfectly uh, okay way to uh, perfectly okay timing to be applying nitrogen and so that might be one way to get around some issues with uh, some pre-plant applications here over the next say month because of the of the virus situation and by late May early June uh, uh, we might be on the back side of this and and things may become a lot more open so there is a little bit of flexibility on the corn side relative to the nitrogen
0: fertilizer. You're listening to Purdue Crop Chat with Bob Nielsen and Sean Castile and your host, Gary Truitt. I don't think it's a big issue because we're, we're getting pretty close to planting, but uh, most guys, I think, have their fuel needs met. But again, we got to run this equipment. Uh, have you heard any issues about guys being able to get the the diesel or the other fuel they need to, to run this equipment?
1: I've not heard of anything yet, but I, I, I think nevertheless... Uh, if you've got, uh, if your on-farm fuel supplies are not topped off, uh, that would certainly be another thing to put on your checklist over the next few weeks. And and basically, you know, you're trying to cover all the bases. And, and since, you know, none of us know how this is going to play out, um, you know, we can only manage the things that we have some control over. So, you know, simple things like making sure the on-farm fuel supplies are topped off is, you know, something that that you can get done. Um, you know, going back and Sean and I've said this now several times, but again, just communicating with your providers. If you can get delivery of seed sooner than later, go. You know, by all means, do it. If you have the ability to store uh, fertilizer and pesticides on site safely, by all means, try and get that delivered as soon as you can. Um, you know, to a certain degree, and I don't want to downplay the the statewide epidemic, but you know, to a certain degree, we're on the front side of this disease progression here in Indiana. So, you know, the odds are there's probably less risk of, of co-ops and retailers having sick employees now than there's going to be in another month. So again, now's the time to be uh, trying to get all these supplies on hand uh, so that you at least minimize uh, that, um, that uh, downside of of the situation once we do get into the field.
2: And Bob, as, as we do that, um, you know we've talked about it. we're business as usual, but not really and so I know personally i I love just stopping by at the ag retailer and just you know chewing the fat a little bit and what's going on and how we're we going to move things forward. I think we need to be uh socially responsible for this and just for our own self preservation uh we have uh, farmers of age that are probably going to be more apt to have issues if the COVID's there covid nineteen and so instead of the stop by it, it's probably a phone call. Uh, to have these conversations instead of going in person, if you can help it. And again, just some of these things that we're hearing from the Department of Health and everyone else, but I just want to make that clear that if we can do it from the phone, just take that extra step. Uh, And it may may be a good idea to give give a holler to your landlords, talk about communication, let them know that um, their fields are part of agriculture and part of the service again. So then you have every effort to, to move forward on that, that um, trying to make the best profit in production possible.
1: Well, and I think you're right, Sean. And, and I've already heard instances or examples of of uh, uh, businesses that are beginning to implement the social distancing of not letting employees into the main office space. And and uh, some businesses setting up porta potties uh, away from the main office and you know that sounds really draconian and extreme but I-, I think you're right we all have this responsibility to the best that we can to to uh, implement these best practices and you know to put it in perspective we're doing the same thing uh, at the outlying purdue farms that sean and i and, and other colleagues work at and and uh, you know, we have the social distance requirements. We we are not supposed to go out to the research farm sort of uh, willy-nilly or, or on the fly. We're, we need to call ahead to let them know that we're coming. Uh, we're not supposed to sort of dawdle around and, and simply chew the fat, as Sean says, and and, um, and and so, you know, we all need to practice this, and and I I think a lot of the businesses are, you know, if they haven't already begun to implement these, they're going to. But again, as as users of those businesses, you're right. We all need to remember this also, and and even amongst you and your employees uh, on your farm operation, um, and we need to encourage you know good high good. Uh, personal hygiene, washing of the hands, disinfecting surfaces where we can, um, and maybe even to the extent of, of you and your employees, uh, the simple thing of checking your temperature every morning when you get up just to make sure you're not running a temperature. So, you know, a lot of things that most of us are not accustomed to doing, um, but this is a different situation, and, and I think that we all need to recognize that.
0: Uh, one issue that we haven't really delved into at this point, and we'll, we'll visit it again in future podcasts as we get closer to planting and, and track the planting progress, um, is the, Sean alluded to it a little bit earlier, the prioritizing of planted fields. So last year we, we couldn't plant, you know, close to 10 percent of the fields in Indiana because of the weather this year. It may be a different situation. We can't get the, the the fertilizer or the seed or the chemicals we need. So, is there a way to prioritize those fields? You know, is it the fields we didn't plant last year? Can they be left for a second year, or should we focus on getting them back in production? Let the fields that we did plant last year uh, be the ones that sit out. If we have to do that this year, what's what's the mindset in terms of how we think about? a situation we hope we don't have of not being able to plant everything. But if we find ourselves in that situation, what are some guidelines? Oh gosh, I'll, I'll try to tackle some of this and
2: let Bob chime in. But a lot of the fields that weren't planted last year were the fields that tend to be wet. And so, you know, in the pattern that we're in right now, uh, those could be just by default, the same fields that we don't uh, plant. Now, if it's an issue of we have fit weather and field conditions and then to try to make that call, Uh, I think it really needs to go back to Bob and I and and Bill Johnson and others have talked about this. You know, what kind of job did we do on those prevent planted acres last year in weed control? I would hate. Oh, I would hate to see another year of those same fields just get a weedy mess and not get them uh, contained and controlled. So if possible, I'd like to start to work on those those fields. uh, So then the weed seed bank is being reduced and not increasing. Uh, that's probably one of my first and foremost priorities, if all fields are equal. Now, um, you also have to put this in perspective of which fields are going to be most uh, profitable and production-oriented, and so that has to be brought into this uh, dis- discussion as well.
1: And I agree with that last point, Sean, that that you know we're talking about worst-case scenarios now, right? So if, if worst-case scenario, um, I would focus on the most productive fields, and And almost by definition here in Indiana, our most productive fields tend to be the better-drained fields in the first place. So they're the ones that that we'll likely be able to get into uh, earlier. Um, And so I would agree, in a worst-case scenario, I would focus on getting the best productive fields, the the most profitable fields planted, and if necessary, uh, either delay or defer uh, the more poorly drained fields, the more challenging fields, uh, um, you know, in that worst case scenario. Now, you know, in my mind, as I'm saying that, I'm immediately thinking that there's some out there that are going to say, I only have challenging fields, you know, what do I do? Um, and and that's certainly a, a challenge. And And at that point, it's, You know, basically, you know, your experiences with with each of your fields and even if everything you farm is challenging, there's still going to be a range on on productivity and a range on degree of challenge. So I would still focus in that worst case scenario. I would certainly focus however I could uh, to get uh, the best fields planted um, as timely as I could and uh, and work it that way.
0: And we certainly want to emphasize we're talking a possible worst case scenario. We're not trying to predict anything. We're not trying to say this is what's going to happen or fear And and anyway, we all I think will agree that we hope this will will go smoothly. It will be a challenging year, but we certainly hope at the end of it we'll we'll have a crop in and, and a good crop. Uh, we need to wrap things up here, but let's I guess try to look. What are we? What are the possible long term ramifications here? And I realize we're in the middle of this. We don't know a lot of things, but just think. Things to be thinking about as possible. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get folks to look beyond. This is a, t- is a temporary situation. This virus will work its way through. We will return to whatever normal is these days uh, going forward. And when we do, uh, what have we learned so far? We may learn more lessons going forward. But how do you see agriculture changing, how farmers' mindsets changing, some of our practices changing uh, after we uh, post-COVID-19?
1: Well, who's going to go first, Sean? Uh,
2: crystal ball. I think the the elder goes first.
1: Uh, okay. Well, I mean, key thing, Gary, right? Is, is we don't know how this is going to play out. It, it it could end up when it's all said and done, be much less of an issue from an agricultural perspective than than we're fearing it is now. Um, but we don't know what impact it's going to have on crop prices uh, when it's all said and done. We don't know what impact it's going to have on the supply chain itself in terms of, you know, possibly you know who survives and who doesn't in the supply chain world. So we don't really have an idea on what input uh, availability or, or prices are going to be in coming years. But so I think because of all that uncertainty, you know, perhaps the the, the best thing we can do at least agronomically is continue to focus on farming the best way we can and using the best agronomic practices, which we should be doing all the time. But but I suspect in the next year or so, it's going to be even more important to be a very cost-effective farmer to make sure that the inputs we're using are returning enough yield to justify the cost of those inputs um, you know, doing the simple things of continuing to, to soil sample fields to to evaluate soil fertility issues, uh, taking care of those weedy fields from last year's prevent plant, um, uh, you know, looking ahead to the future when, you know, when we're going to be getting back into it. So I, I, you know, that all that sort of sounds like business as usual, but I, I think it's just a, maybe a, a reminder to focus on good sound agronomics and um, and, and simply uh, try to continue to be good farmers and good stewards of the land.
2: Yeah, so as we look at future impacts, I, I can't help but think of how the public is just embedded with the same thing that we're embedded with within our agriculture. We have this idea that we we get on the airplane and when the oxygen masks come down, you put it on yourself first and then you take care of others. Agriculture, farming, We are those that are being taken care of first, so then we can take care of everyone else. And so I just hope that that out of this comes that the idea and the connection back to agriculture, that it is vital. It is essential to our everyday well-being, just as much as it is from a doctor's office, as it is from any of our protection services. Agriculture is, is a
0: foundational
2: part of our way of life.
0: And I know when we started this uh, this uh, crop chat uh, concept, we wanted to try to make it somewhat entertaining and perhaps a little <laughs> less, a little more lighthearted, but that was before we got into a, a worldwide pandemic. So I apologize. We're We're right. So serious and uh, uh, and so focused in this one. But I really think, as, as Bobby, indicated, what we don't know is is really one of the, the key stressors right now out there for a lot of us in agriculture. And so uh, we are trying to, to solve some of that and at least help folks think about uh, the the future. And again, I appreciate uh, both Bob and Sean for being with us. This has been Purdue Crop Chat with Purdue Extensions, Dr. Bob Nielsen and Dr. Sean Castile. I'm Gary Truitt. This podcast has been produced by Andy Eubank and is a service of the Purdue University Extension Service and Hoosier Ag Today. Timely, relevant, credible.